This Ayahuasca Talks radio show episode is hosted by Rebecca Hayden and co-hosted by Guy Crittenden. We begin 10 minutes into the interview with Giovanni Bartolomeo as we were not able to record the beginning of the show due to technical difficulties. We now join Giovanni as he describes how he first discovered ayahuasca. I was scrolling through um, some comments on an Alan Watts video. I uh, Someone typed in a uh, comment saying something along the lines of, you know, if, uh, if you like Alan Watts or if um, you find this interesting, Terrence McKenna will blow your mind. I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. I've never heard of this guy before. Um, let me Google him. And so I Googled Terrence McKenna, and next thing I know, um, I'm just watching videos of him speaking online. I ended up ordering all his books, and you know, I just really got thrown into this um, topic of DMT and ayahuasca, which I'd never heard of before. Um, you know, I've heard the word DMT before, um, but never in the context that I was exploring at that point. So I found it quite interesting um, to hear, you know, Terence talk about his experiences and all the things that he was doing. So shortly after that, um, you know, I, um, what happened next? Oh, I was watching Netflix. Next thing you know, up on Netflix comes um, DMT, the spirit molecule. <laughs> and, you know, I've been, I was watching Netflix for a while at that point, And then all of a sudden, here it is coming up on my screen where I never really noticed it before. Right. So then I watched that, yeah. And... Watching that was really something that, that changed a lot for me because when I saw people explaining their experiences on, on DMT, I knew there was no way that I would really understand what they were talking about unless I had the experience myself. Yeah. Um, I could tell it was profound. I could tell that something magical had happened. And I knew something in my heart was saying, you need to understand what these people are talking about. Okay. And I was curious. I just yeah. wanted to um, to uh, point out that it's it's ayahuasca we're talking about because DMT experiences are are often and done in very different ways in different settings. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, I think that it was it was ayahuasca they were focusing on, right? Or was it? Um, no, they were focused on intravenous DMT. Oh, okay, um, okay. Which is the active ingredient in ayahuasca? Sure. Um, yeah. Um, so that led me to email Rick Strassman asking, because I want to volunteer for a study, when what he said was there was nothing going on, so there was no research on the subject at all at, worldwide at the time, but he referred me to uh, an ayahuasca center in South America. Okay, um, all right. So that's the connection to my story. So oh. back to ayahuasca. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so here I was. I had a two-year-old, and... Um, you know, self-employed, got a bunch of businesses, and just something inside me was like, you need to go to South America. You, No matter what, figure it out, just get down there. And it was like every day, you know, things were popping up on Instagram and my Facebook. So, you know, I just heeded to the call and uh, I had a few long talks with my wife. She was not thrilled about it at all. Um, you know, again, like there was very... She didn't, I never heard about this before, and all of a sudden I had to go to South America. <laughs> but after a lot of deliberation, um, you know, I found myself booking a trip down to, uh, to Brazil for two weeks, um, where I had my, uh, my first ayahuasca experience, and um, it was profound. Right. Yeah, it, it, um, it totally changed my perspective on everything. Um, 
my first experience, I had a death experience the first night. Wow. Um, That's quite yeah, an intro. So <laughs> talk about getting thrown into the fire. <laughs> right. Um, what, what, was your, uh, what was your death experience? Like, can you briefly describe that? Yeah, we now have Guy Crittenden who's hey plugged guy. in. <laughs> yeah, me and Guy recently met face-to-face. We've been online friends for a while. He was at our last event, and uh, I actually uh, supported his, his book on, um, I think it was one of those online um, yes, book launch. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, right. the year of drinking magic forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> yeah, All right. So the question so, was, what was your death experience with yeah. the first night? So the experience um, obviously was a bit overwhelming at first. You know, I, I I had never done any psychedelics comparable. Like I'd done mushrooms before. I'd done L- I'd never done LSD. And I'd never got like I'd never done the heroic five gram Terrence McKenna dose of, of mushrooms. So the intense visuals, the pinta visions that you get on Eugene um, Ayahuasca, those are all new to me. So the first half of the experience is a lot of that, a lot of me um, just really getting comfortable with that experience. Mm-hmm. And, and then an experience came where um, I was, I was in like an alleyway and I sort of, was being attacked, but I couldn't see the attackers. And there was a specific point where I saw myself come into like a third person. So I was out of the experience, but I saw it happening still. And um, I was like flashing in and out of seeing myself being bludgeoned with sticks and being in it at the same time. Um, And after that going on for a while, I started losing what I would call consciousness in the dream. Um, where I was like, okay, like, this is it. This is, this is the end for me. You know, like, I'm, I'm actually going to die here. Um, so it was like, I was, I wasn't really aware that I was in the ayahuasca ceremony at that point anymore. Um, I was so in this vivid dream. And then all of a sudden, um, I slowly started disintegrating into the earth. And it was really scary because I was like, okay, this is, this is, I've died. You know, like I've actually died. You know, the, the headlines are running through my head, you know, um, father, two-year-old, goes yeah. on some trip to, to South America and, and dies in some Amazonian ritual. And so it was really scary, but I was sort of starting to accept it. Like, okay, like, I, I guess I'm dead, so there's not much I can do about it now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, as soon as I started accepting it, it was like I started being shown the magic. Um, I started, um, I guess the best word to be re- being reincarnated into, I guess, maggots would be the first thing as I guess they were eating the remnants of my body. And it was like I had a million consciousnesses all at once. Like I wasn't one, I was all of them at the same time. And in a fury, they were like, I don't know if you've ever seen like maggots eating through, you know, a dead animal. They're everywhere and they're moving like crazy. And it was like, I was absorbed into that sort of experience. And then, then slowly I started becoming roots and I started becoming flowers and grasses and, and bursting through the soil. Um, and then flourishing into trees. And then the next thing you know, I was in this like nature setting and it was just like, I was shown the cycle of life and how it's never ending. And, and death is just, um, I guess an, a construct of our current human experience. Like there is no such thing as actual death on a, on a soul level. Right. Um, that's how I interpret it anyways. And then I was just at peace and, and slowly I started coming back and I, I realized where I was and I was just like, 
had the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> it was the most amazing experience. Wow. That's and a very cool story. Yeah, that's great. And and it was I went through the roller coaster, the fear, you know, the acceptance, um, you know, the ego judging, you know, like you know what people are gonna think of me as I'm already dead. I'm still judging, <laughs> um, you know, and then. The, that sort of release and that, that knowing that, yeah, you know, everything is okay in that teaching, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, 19 ceremonies later, you know, I still get similar experiences where I have to go through something very difficult before I get shown something very beautiful. Mm-hmm, wow. Um, and, and for me, uh, it's not always like that, but a lot of my experience, the most profound ones anyways, is where I get thrown through the ringer and fully surrender. And then it's like, the doors open up and it's like okay now I can show you something else so and, and that's sort of evolved my relationship with the plants at first I would say that you know maybe the first five to ten ceremonies I was mainly like an observer just like oh my god that's so cool oh my god what's going on oh this is happening and then when I sort of started stopped analyzing and just became actually a true observer without trying to think about what's going on mm-hmm then I was, like, able to see so much more, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's all a little nebulous, but, I mean, those of us who have <laughs> experienced the plant can, can relate on, you know, this feeling level, you know, because we've all had these experiences that are so hard to <laughs> describe. But, you know, I think we all have a unique relationship with ayahuasca, and you got a handle on yours, and that's the most important thing, right? Yeah, I, I, I never want to say I got a handle because every time I think that I, I got something going in, <laughs> look at me from another angle and they flip me upside down. Like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. I um, guess it's, it's a constant battle between the ego and, you know, that the humility, um, which I find is usually what I need. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I guess what I mean is you, you, you had an idea of what was happening between you and the plant, and I think that that's really yeah. great, you know, because you, you kind of have to have some basis. And uh, it mm-hmm. sounds like there was something going on back and forth, which is wonderful. Um, had you had, were you aware of, I think we all have a fear of death. Were you aware of it prominently before that? Um, you know, I don't want to say that I wasn't afraid of death. Um, obviously there's that unknown of what happens after you die because there's so many potential variables that are possible. Of course, we um, all are, right? Yeah. So, so there's that, there was that fear. I, w- I was pretty sure, I still am pretty sure that, um, it doesn't end here. Um, but I do a lot of crazy things. Like I was adventurous to go and do things on my own where I like, you know, going out in the world. So mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of fear of death per se, but there's always that, like, fear of the unknown, like, okay, what's next, right? And there's always, that fear will creep in, I guess, if you feel you're close to that, um, almost like a nervous, anxious curiosity type thing, you know? Right. Sometimes blurs the lines with fear a little bit. So, um, this is interesting, you you said that before you went, there was some um, trepidation on behalf of your wife, and... Um, I know from personal experiences and so many others that relationships generally improve, um, those that remain together anyway, <laughs> after ayahuasca. Yeah. So I'm wondering how things unfolded between you afterwards and how that went. Yeah, well, once I got back, um, she obviously saw a major shift in my personality, I guess, in my attitude and my openness. Um but like all relationships, there's always ups and downs. Sure. Um, you know, um, 
you know, sometimes there would be that resentment, like, if we're in an argument, oh, I guess the ayahuasca wore off or something like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness, whoa. You know? You know I'm going to save that but, one to use in future. <laughs> yeah, right? And then it's like, okay, I better, I, what do I do now? You know, do I, do I try to, like, prove that the ayahuasca changed me for good? Or, it's, you know, so there's always that, that, that thought that comes back into my head. But overall, the relationship changed um, definitely for the better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually, after about a, uh, a little while, she came uh, on a journey with me. Um, and she had her own experience. Right. Which was incredible to have that kind of support and understanding from her perspective also. Yeah. Um, it, it took time, for sure, but she saw the positive changes. She saw the way that, you know, it wasn't addictive. It wasn't, you know, all the things that, I guess, people without any understanding, I guess you want to call it ignorance, towards it would sort of assume, you know, she started opening up and listening and seeing the actual um, effects it had on me and others because I, I, you know, I work with Collective Evolution and I'm working on a documentary right now and I was showing her some of the interviews that I was interviewing people and the crazy transformations. Like, for me, I was more of an explorer, but there's some people that I've met that they were ready to give up on life. Right. Like, really tried to commit suicide multiple times. Yeah. And it wasn't until they found time medicine like specifically in most cases ayahuasca um where they were able to just change their whole perspective on life and pull themselves up from the darkness um yeah you know and just just transform so watching that you know it speaks for itself and you, you know when someone's had an ayahuasca experience and it's changed their life just the way they speak about it there's a certain energy to it that other people can feel that vibration they can feel that connection where it's like wow there's something powerful here yeah oh i you think know? so too I, I, yeah I, yeah. Right? yeah yeah <laughs> So, um, yeah. what about other relationships in your life? Did you find an, a noted difference um, in how you related to your um, your your child? You have a daughter, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the way I see it is that any experience in life that brings you more awareness is going to change all your relationships. Right. And ayahuasca is just such a powerful one that, you know, like, if you're working with breath work and meditation, it can take a lot of time before you start having these, you know, I guess, moments of awe or like glimpses of enlightenment or like these experiences. And sometimes they happen quicker for others and there's so many different modalities. But I feel like ayahuasca is so powerful and so quick where you can see your life in a whole new light, where you can sort of see yourself and the things that you do and the tendencies that you have and the relationships you have and sometimes how you neglect them or how you can improve on them. Right. And it's, it's, it's very, very profound where you almost have no choice to reevaluate your relationships in life. And you can drop, you know, bullshit arguments and um, disagreements. You just see how petty they could, they could have been and how little substance they were based on. And a lot of times it's just ego and, you know, um, stubbornness that keep you in there. Um, but all it takes is a little forgiveness and a little bit of communication and it's gone, you know. And, and it's silly that we can't see that sometimes on our own, that you have to have this magical plant to show you, like, hey, man, wake up. Yeah. Smell the coffee, right? I, I don't know if you, you relate to that at all. Oh, that entirely. my experience. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it continues. <laughs> Those reminders, which is great, you know. Um, and yeah. I think that's another importance of, of talking about our experiences because people listen and they hear. And, and as you say, there's that energy and people relate and they go, wow, there's something there, right? <laughs> and they know. Absolutely. And they sometimes Absolutely. get their calling in this way, right? So did you find well, yeah. yourself walking away with a, a whole different view of the world and life? I mean, I think from what you told us of the death experience, that's that's pretty yeah, shattering. Yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. And, and I realized that at first I wanted to tell everyone, you know, I wanted to bring everyone <laughs> to South America. I was like, you have to come, you have to do this. And, and I quickly realized that, you know, people have to be ready for it. It's not like you can just drag people and, you know, tape their mouths open and pour a shot of ayahuasca down. Although many people would benefit, I think. I think we all go through, when we, when we respond well to this medicine, we come back with a bit of an evangelical excitement. I have a friend who calls it the honeymoon phase with ayahuasca, and we, we've agreed that people should probably uh, uh, be made to wait two years uh, before they do, do anything coercive with anyone else, so they, they calm down a bit, because <laughs> you get a bit more perspective. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and it does take time to integrate and and to really see some of the teachings, you know. But but usually the first experience is so profound, and you feel like everyone's gonna have the experience, and and not everyone has the same experience. Some people get have a really rough first experience, and and you know. They might not be ready, and you can push them into that at a time when, you know, they're not ready. And, you know, they could be even left worse off. They could have fear. They could might not want to go back and, and delve deeper into what issues arose. You know, so I think it's really important, especially for anyone listening, is to really feel that call, no matter how much pressure or not pressure you have on you. It's like really go within and see, you know, is this something that's calling to me? Yeah, oh, for sure. Absolutely. I always talk about that. Um, because I speak so publicly about my experiences and people come up to me and it's like, okay, well, think about it and go away, do some research, you know, and really, you know, search yourself to find out, you know, what you really feel about it. It's also worth, uh, I'd love to just clear up something, a very common um, misperception people have because they've watched certain documentaries and things where it shows people throwing up a lot or what have you. You know, you may not necessarily um, purge that way or any other way in a ceremony. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I didn't throw up until I think it was my fifth or sixth ceremony, and by which point I really enjoyed the experience. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, you know, it's always been a very uh, harrowing but worthwhile experience for me. I have a friend, Jeff, for, who's happy to say, you know, he's done more ayahuasca ceremonies than I have. And he said, oh, it's La Madre has always been very gentle with me. It's always been a very gentle kind of experience. And I'm like, really? Like, oh, God, I was jealous of that. <laughs> but so people are, it's all over the map, whether it's how intense it's going to be, whether it's going to be mostly physical, uh, mental. You can, uh, it's great to share the stories, but people need to know that it's very unique for each person. Yeah, it truly is. So I'm Yeah. I got sorry, two go. stories around that topic that I, I could share. Um, Please do. But um, so I'll start with the first one, which was um, in the beginning, I threw up almost every ceremony. But when I was throwing up, obviously, I don't know if you guys can relate, but you feel like you got a bucket full of puke. Like you really feel like it's it's up to the brim. And when I look at it in the morning, there's like maybe an inch in there, not even. 
But when I'm throwing up, it's almost like I feel like there's like darkness seeping out of my bones and coming out like energetically. And I almost look forward to it now because I feel like there's such like a, an energetic release when I do purge through uh, vomiting um, that it just feels amazing. And there was this one time where um, I had a lot of um, chaos in my life. And um, I was looking for, I guess, what you would call balance. I pulled out a, an oracle card for my my experience, my mm. ceremony, and it was balance, of course. And um, and I start purging, and I'm feeling really sick. And all of a sudden, this vision of me purging into um, a scale, like one of those old scales that have chains attached to them. And every time I purge into it, um, this scale starts spinning and spinning, and this voice is like, is that enough balance for you? <laughs> like, I don't understand. And every time I would say I don't understand, I'd throw up again. <laughs> and then the scale would spin. Is that enough balance for you? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, throw up again. And this went on for probably a good 20 minutes where it was like there was nothing left to come out of me. Right. And, and then the scale stops, and it just says, you control, or the voice says, or whatever, you control all the balance in your life. You make the decision to do certain things and not do certain things. Mm. And it's all 100% up to you how you allow your, your life to be controlled. And as soon as that thought came in, that was the lesson. And then I stopped purging. And then I felt amazing. And it was like, how can that be where I'll just stop being sick once I get this message in my, you know, if, if it was actually the medicine that was making me sick, it was the thought and the idea and the energy that I had to sort of expel and change. And all of a sudden I felt better. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, and it was so profound. And then, you know, the next day I get home, I was like, okay, what are the things that stress me out? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I just started making all these changes, and it was just such a simple, simple, like, my lessons with ayahuasca are very simple. <laughs> they are. <laughs> it's always the things that I just couldn't see, and it was just like I needed that kick in the butt to say, okay, um, you know, make this change, and it'll, things will be so much better. Right. Um, yeah, so, so that, was, that was the one story. Back to Guy's comment um, about the gentleness. It's weird because a lot of the times going in, it's like, yeah, you know, I have an intention. You know, I want a gentle journey. You know, go easy on me. <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I know if I really want the deep lessons, you know, I got to get my, my butt kicked, right? I, I really got to get my butt kicked. And there's one particular um, uh, ayahuascaro. Um, it's a very powerful energy, the medicine. I, I don't know what it is, the combination of chanting and, and how he does it exactly um but usually one drink is enough with this guy usually one drink i'll have uh, a really deep experience i'll be on my butt i'll purge a few times and um and i was talking to a lot of other people at the ceremony before going in about you know like you guys usually go for a second drink and i was like no i never make it that far um it's crazy that would be crazy blah blah blah, blah, blah. And we're just talking back and forth and, you know, I said, okay, well, here's the thing. If, if I even ask the question, should I go take another drink tonight? I'm going to go take another drink. That's a sign that I should. So I'll set that intention for myself um, to remind myself that I, I should go for it if I'm asking, right? Yeah. So um, I think the first drink, I have an experience about, you know, halfway through the night, about midnight. I know this ceremony is going to go another three hours. Um, and I've had an experience and I'm fully out of it. You know, I'm just sitting there on my mat and I'm thinking, okay. Um, should I take another drink? And then I was like, oh, eh, all right, I guess this is it. So 
I, I go up and I ask, you know, if, uh, if I can have another drink. And, of course, you know, it's no problem. And I go back to my seat and I sit there for about 10, 15 minutes. And there's a guy about maybe five or six mats down from me. And he's just having one hell of a night. Like, puking, sounds like he's crapping his pants, screaming, oh. you know, like just rolling on the floor. And he's getting closer to me. And he's a big guy. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, so what do I do when this guy comes right up on my mat now? You know, like, what, what exactly do I do here? And as he gets closer, I'm thinking, like, do I yell at him? Do I not yell at him? Do I get upset? And the voice goes, he just needs help, you know, just send some energy. So I'm like, okay, that's probably the right thing to do. So I focus on sending some healing energy. And as soon as I do that, I feel like the ayahuasca just turns on full blast. And... Um, I could see myself inside this guy. It was really strange. I'd never experienced anything like this. And I could see myself sending him love, and it's like blowing away this dark energy. Um, and I didn't even know if that was possible. I didn't even know that I could do something like that. And then the thought comes in my head, I don't really know what I'm doing, so maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So I sort of come back, and I'm sitting there with my eyes open, just sort of observing. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like I get sucked right back in. Uh, without any control, Folk on visual colors where I can't even see anything but color. And basically, the best way I could describe it is um, my mind has a total meltdown. Total and complete meltdown where um, I feel like I'm smashing through brick walls, um, accelerating speed. <laughs> accelerating, it's my son. Accelerating speed. Um, to the climax where I basically, my mind. Oh, oh I'm sorry. So, just cut off. There we go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm non-existent at this point, like total non-existence. Hmm. And, and it was scary because, well, it was scary to the point that I didn't exist, but I didn't know that I even existed. And I'd never experienced it before. And then slowly, all of a sudden I realized that I was something. Oh. I realized that I exist, and I was like, wow, but I didn't, I was formless, I had no body, I didn't even know what arms were, and slowly I let myself move, and I was like, okay, I, I'm a thing, I'm a body, and I'm like, I was like, I was traveling through the darkness of space, and I was like, watching myself get recreated from scratch, and it was the most magical experience, where literally three minutes earlier, as my mind is being shattered, I'm screaming at myself, why did you take that second drink? You're an idiot. You always got to push it too far. I'm never doing ayahuasca again. This is, this is like I, what I'm yelling I do at that myself. every time. Yeah. And, mm. and here I am, just in total awe, watching creation is the best way to describe it. And as I'm rolling through the darkness, it's almost like I was bearing witness to a bigger creation that's going on right now. What was the best way I could describe it was it seemed like the universe was in like labor pains where it was birthing something that we're so close to experiencing, but we're not there yet. And it's going to take work and it's going to take um, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and doing. And um, it wasn't really clear on what's going to cause it, but it was just the message was like, something's happening and it's really close and we just have to push harder. Um, push through it. Wow, that's um, great. I'm so glad you brought this up because there were there were hints of that in my experience too um, about this larger 
sort of societal issue. There's so much um, about us as individuals, and then when you get these bigger messages, it's very exciting. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey, we're all in this together. It's wonderful. I wanted to uh, ask you a question, but I'll just preface it by saying. It's interesting that this was triggered when you were paying attention to someone else in the ceremony. And, and I'm not going to say this in relation to your experience, but generally in the ceremonies when we're part of a group, we're, we're focusing on our own work and, and we leave it to the curandero or the facilitator to jump in if they think somebody's really uh, in trouble and they need an intervention. But um, what I wanted... and. Part of that is we don't want to interrupt someone else's teaching moment. Um, and related to that, I wanted to ask you if these experiences led to you um, creating the Collective Evolution Project and how you see the relationship between inviting people into uh, consciousness shift and consciousness evolution and how do you feel about the fact that maybe we're not going to get everybody, we leave some people in their unconscious state um, because that's the experience that they need in this lifetime? Okay, I want you to hold on to that thought and think about your answer, and I'm just going to check in and announce that you are listening to Ayahuasca Talks at Regent Radio in Toronto. And um, yeah, would, I'll go ahead. With would, your would you answer. like me to announce uh, the oh, yes. party? I have the information <coughs> right here. We also have to. I'm back now. Oh, that's okay. I, I, we have to announce um, a party that's coming up because uh, I promised to do so. We're going to okay. have a party called the Summer of Love Picnic, and it's going to be held at Trinity Bellwoods Park. And Sunday, July the 9th, is it? Yeah, you know, I have the information on my phone, but my phone's not opening. Why don't I... Oh, wait, here we go. I've got it coming up. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, it's called the fifth, the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love picnic. It's presented by um, the uh, Toronto Psychedelic Society in association with Urban Temple Toronto, Ergot, and New Human City. It's at Trinity Bellwoods Park on Sunday, July 9th, from noon till 6 p.m. Trinity Bellwoods Park is uh, at 790 Queen Street West. So be there and celebrate 50 years since the wonderful summer of love. There we go. Okay, done and done. Um, did uh, did you okay. hear uh, yeah. Guy's question? Yeah, I got Guy. Guy had three really good questions that I think were sort of pulled into one. That's okay. Uh, I'll try to answer them in order. So... The first question was was about um, the other person and, and their energy. And it sort of happened so spontaneously that I didn't really have time to think. It came on first as fear of this person was going to come and invade my space mm-hmm. um, because they weren't in control. Um, and instead of me reacting out loud, it was almost like, okay, just set the intention that you know they're okay. I sort of got sucked into it. So it was a really weird experience, but I quickly realized that maybe it was something that I shouldn't be doing. Uh, but then it sort of was a catalyst to that profound experience of my own. So I, I'm still processing that one. You, you know what I mean? Like like the whole sequence of events that happened and how it unfolded and the experience for me. But I was sort of brought to, um, when I snapped out of that whole thing, was I felt water being splashed in that area because the, the, the shaman was there praying for this guy and, mm. and chanting at him and spraying water. And some of that water sort of sprayed on me as well, and maybe they were singing at me as well too, because I was—I didn't know where I was. So um, <laughs> they did intervene at the right time. 
um, so to speak. So that was the first part of the question. And then you went on to talk a bit about um, collective evolution, I think was the second question. Right. Okay, so I, I personally did not found collective evolution. Collective evolution was founded by Joe Martino. And um, the interesting thing about that is that there's kind of a divide inside collective evolution on the topic of psychedelics and ayahuasca. Uh, Joe's never done any psychedelics. Um, I don't know if I should be sharing this, but uh, <laughs> he's never done any, and he doesn't really feel called to. Um, like for most people that don't want to do try psychedelics, maybe just not ready yet. I'm not sure. For me, it's a huge impact, so I try to bring that forth in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it has a huge impact on inspiring me to do the things that I'm doing, to see that we're part of something bigger, and to really to do my role to contribute in whatever ways that I can. Um, so like I have my own podcast now called The Way Within, which is, uh, has a huge influence from my psychedelic experiences, specifically ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Can you say the uh, name of the podcast again? It wasn't called, clear. <coughs> sorry, it's called The Way Within. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, and we talk about anything from health to psychedelics to um, all, all sorts of topics in this general uh, arena, so to speak. But um, there's a big influence from psychedelics. So um, I wanted to um, ask you, well, discuss a little more of that experience that you had um, where ayahuasca seemed to be indicating this, this kind of change that's, that's going on because I, I definitely got a big message about that, this evolution, um, speaking of which, <laughs> um, and that, you know, I, I think we, we all play a role in it. But I think it's interesting that at a time when you became kind of concerned about um, somebody else's experience, you know, that this bigger experience happened to you as a result, and then there was an indication that we're all kind of going to be going through this major change. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one that took me a while to process, and I still think I'm processing it, to be honest, just due to the... Um, sheer magnitude of the experience mm-hmm. like I tell you like like the non-existing part like that really shook me a bit you know because I was like nothing for a second or a couple of seconds it felt like forever um, but I think the message was you know the best way you can help others is by focusing first on on yourself oh yeah you know yeah. Um, but at the same time always be open to helping others you know <laughs> like give up yourself for others but, you know, first focus on yourself, but be there for support, right? So right. Like just that, that open-heartedness, you know, um, that, that was the message that I took away from it. That's what it felt that resonated the most with me afterwards. Um, and that also that there's a lot of people that are going to experience the same thing. You know, like when I was seeing that collective birthing experience, I was literally floating through the vastness of space and it was all around me. It was like everything. It, it just felt like... I was just part of something much, much bigger that's happening right now. And I was just a small part of it. Mm-hmm. That's so, an amazing yeah, that, feeling. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Yeah. When I was first told that, you know, we're going to be going through this kind of evolution. And I mean, we're always evolving, I suppose. But what it seemed to be indicating was that it's going to be pronounced and kind of accelerated and... And at the beginning, there was fear in me, which surprises me now to think about it, because um, I think we all know that things have to change, you know, for things to improve. Um, but it's that it's that terrible attachment we have to what we're used to 
um, even if it's not very healthy. But um, but I came to you know kind of come to peace with it and, and feel excited about it at times. So it's really amazing to know that that's happening with other people too. Um, and I wanted to talk about um, when you discussed purging and that whole back and forth that happened. I've had this situation where I've, I haven't purged a great deal. Um, when I did, I had the same kind of, oh, thank God that's out of me, you know. But uh, there were other times where I felt like, oh, you know, I guess I should purge and, and why am I not purging kind of thing. And the response was, you know, don't get so attached to the idea that you must in order for, you know, this to go the way that it needs to go. Right, you know, I mean, do you want to throw up? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. not necessarily. It's like, fine, just leave it go, you know. I think we get in yeah. our own way, and ayahuasca is a great way of just showing that to us, you know. It's very funny. Well, yeah, and, and that's exactly it, you know. It, it's, I think sometimes it tries to show us that our mind is our biggest um, uh, roadblock, yeah. our biggest obstacle, and, you know, sometimes the overthinking of everything um, really limits us really limits our our, our, our potential um, and it, it's weird like I said like the, the last few experiences I felt like there was more of like um, a back and forth relationship with the, with the medicine rather than you know me just sitting back and and observing and it was so strange the last one experience I'd love to share is that when I was in Arrhythmia which is in Costa Rica um, it's the first uh, medically like plant medicine center in the world, Step doctors, very comfortable, it's a little bit expensive, um, it's a really nice place. I um, mean, one of the experiences I, I had there, it was like, when I would think, when I was sort of observing with an analytical mind, the visuals would just drop off. Mm. They would just, like, disappear. And then, as soon as I would just be open to observe, they would come back. And this would go on for, like, a little while. And I'm like, oh, what's that? What does that mean? Or, you know, like, oh, I'm feeling sick. Should I throw up? Should I try to make, you know, get in a position? It, w it was this, this chitter-chatter back and forth. <laughs> but when I was really able to, to clear my mind and just get quiet, almost like, you know, the same challenges of meditation, right? Yeah. You know, the more distractions with the ayahuasca because you're being shown. Um, as soon as I was able to really quiet the mind, it was like a window open. And I went through and I was just shown, like, again, something so beautiful and this experience, I was shown the future. I was shown, um, we have a retreat center just north of Toronto where we hold uh, retreats. Um, I'm partners with Collective Evolution. Um, we bought 25 acres. And we're building this retreat center for people to have different experiences, whether it be yoga or fasting or, you know, maybe one day plant medicine if we can get around the legality around it. Um, and I, I just wasn't sure what, what I wanted to do there, right? And start getting shown um, people coming there doing very specific and I could see the light within them turning on. Wow. Like coming in with just like this sad or angry or closed off face, facial expression and energy to them. And I see them over a period of time just turning on like a light bulb. And I started crying like Aww. a baby. Like, like when I tell you like like, the tears of just, like, at first I didn't even know what it was. And I was like, this feels really good. Like, it's, it's I've been shown something that I need to do. So, um, you know, I get out my notebook. So I always have a notepad beside me when I'm in ayahuasca ceremony. Sometimes it's, like, decoding hieroglyphics the next day because my, my writing is so messy and, you know, it's black. Um, but I just started trying to write down all these things I was seeing, all these very specific exercises. And um, I basically created a workshop out of it. And, you know, three months later... 
I just invited a bunch of friends as a demo. She says, that guys, just trust me. You gotta come hang out with me for a week. I'm gonna make you do some pretty strange things, but um, not so strange things either. Um, and they trusted me, and it happened. It happened almost exactly the way it was. And, you know, there was even one exercise that I saw on the medicine where it was like, it was like body tapping almost. People were like tapping their bodies and like doing all these like, like almost like body drumming, body tapping. And I was explaining this story to someone uh, who was now a co-facilitator with me, who I just met at the time through one of the events that we do downtown. So I met up with her for coffee and I told her about the experience. And she's like, yeah, I actually facilitate this type of body tapping yoga exercise. And I was like, oh my God. So I guess that was you facilitating at this retreat that I saw in this vision. And like, we sort of both froze and like had this like, oh my God that's amazing sort of experience because she felt that she was called to do more teaching type thing. So it was like the plan was guiding me. You know what I mean? It was like, it was showing me, okay, here's the future. Believe in yourself, do it. And good things will happen. And I just trusted and did it. And it was hundred percent true. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I I wanted to jump in and just follow up on a comment you made about the division in in the consciousness shift community between psychedelics and people who are not drawn to it. And I think that that's fine. If somebody's not drawn to this and they're not called to it, that's just absolutely fine. There is, however, what I've noticed, a kind of a, a dogma in some circles. You know, there's people who practice yoga or meditation who think that somehow it's kind of wrong to use what they would think of as a shortcut you know you've got to do it the difficult way and i just heard a really good uh, talk on uh, actualization.org where the host leo addressed that he was talking about a different uh, medicine that's very powerful also and he made this excellent point that um hey there's there's a lot of shortcuts that we do in other areas that no one complains about if i want to if i want to go to london england i don't swim or take a boat i hop <laughs> on a plane if i have thousands of numbers to calculate i don't sit with an abacus i use a computer you know if i want to get somewhere i get in my car there's a so um, there's a, some, some, for some reason in the spiritual type uh, seeking community, there's, there's a school of thought that anything that's a shortcut is inherently objectionable. And the way I view these things is um, I don't think these things necessarily take the place of an ongoing practice like a stillness practice like meditation, which I think supports the ongoing integration of the, this experience. But I view... Um, ceremonies with this and other medicines as a catalyst that dramatically can dramatically accelerate your growth and learning. And I feel that, and I, you, I suspect you feel the same way. I, you know, I feel that I might be today in a place that might have taken me twenty or thirty years um, of you know hard work, living in a in an ashram and being a renunciate the, you know, these medicines allow me to live a full life in the world and I still have to do work and there's you know it's there's a lot of time between ceremonies but the ceremonies are a catalyst and I just want to put it out there for people and also get your reaction to that I actually want to weigh in there too um I don't think that ayahuasca is the easier way by any stretch of the imagination, and I think that it's difficult for us to compare these experiences, even though in our minds it may seem pretty clear that you could make that comparison, but 
you know, we don't know what would happen to you over that period of time in, in that environment at all, right? It, it, all of them are so unique, and we all agree that people need to feel called, and, and that's just the way that it is, right? And, and it's just, it's so hard to resist this. God, this is so beautiful. I want to share it. But there's other ways of sharing it, and you've obviously found a way, Giovanni, right? You know, these workshops and all the rest of it, and I wanted to comment on that, too. It's really cool when you get the, these experiences with ayahuasca, and you're not always sure exactly what they mean, you know, and, and you have to accept that maybe sometimes you never will, but the feeling is there. And, and then later, you know, things come along, like I've been going through this experience of, you know, my own personal training with medicine, and, and it just takes a lot of trust and a lot of um, perseverance. <laughs> and, you know, I met with somebody who's going through a formal education in, in shamanism. Um, I, I've done some formal work initially with the same organization, but uh, since then I've just been working with medicines and having this unique ongoing experience. Anyway, she says, uh, I told her what I was up to lately, what kind of experiences I've been having with the medicine, independent of drinking or anything. And she says, she, her jaw dropped, and she goes, oh my God, I've been going through, that you just described the the curriculum for the training that I'm doing in shamanism, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And we, it's just a matter of this immense trust of the medicine that can actually show you things and take you through experiences. And it feels so good when you get this verification outside of that, you know, going, oh my God, there it is, right? Yeah. It's so yeah. wonderful. <laughs> I, I agree with both of you guys wholeheartedly. Um, in my own experience, I did a lot of reading. I, I read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read a lot of the Bible. I've read a lot of the holy texts. I've tried all the meditations, the breath work. I've, I've gone through a lot of that. And um, still, I had never got anywhere close. Some, some breath work I got pretty deep, but nothing is, is what I've done with the plant medicines. And I really agree that they go hand in hand. And I feel like the plant medicine has actually improved my meditation. It's improved all the other things I'm doing. I have more perspective, more awareness that I can bring into these other practices now that I didn't have before. Right. You know, and for people and for people to say that you know they want to judge um, plant medicines without even trying them, you know, it sort of goes to show, like, okay, like, you know, in a way you could be being ignorant because you know maybe it's against what you believe in, fine, but to say that it is not good without trying it, you know, you're better off saying, like, I don't know enough about this to comment on it. And it's funny because some of these uh, supposed ancient practices, or they are ancient practices, are not as ideologically pure as some people think. I mean, I've seen paintings from the walls of Indian temples of seated uh, gurus or yogis holding uh, cannabis leaves in their hand that they're clearly consuming, and they're surrounded by the blue-skinned Indian deities. Uh, I know for a fact that there are uh, monks in Tibetan monasteries that maybe once a year will use datura to have a profound connection with the divine. So um, then they do go back to their cushion and they do the work, but they do connect. You know, there's a, there's actually much more of a a tradition than some people will admit of using entheogens in combination with some of these other practices and people need to know that. Perhaps. I think we can all agree that whatever gets you there gets you there and you know if people are going to judge let's leave them judge and not be part of that and and agree that i mean there's all kinds of experiences in this world there are people who meditate and get there and i'm 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 glad for them that's great i can't compare my experiences with theirs because i can't possibly know 
<laughs> you know, I just can't. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to add to, to Guy's point, that um, almost all major religions have some sort of psychedelic at the root. Um, yes. You know, something happened in the Dark Ages where um, worldwide it was um, sort of abolished. It was, you know, whole cultures were destroyed and all forms of shamanism and, you know, plant medicines, they called witches, druids, whatever, they were all sort of um, killed, raped, murdered, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, anything to sort of suppress this direct connection with the divine right. the best way I can describe it because um, the powers that be want to be that middleman and because religion was such a control mechanism if you can control the access to God you can then control the populace but if people can have their own spiritual experiences outside of the church then what do they really need the church for okay? mm-hmm. and so this happened throughout the whole dark ages where all of these things that are now starting to come to light all of these some of the references that Guy made a lot of the research that I've done that I've seen mm-hmm. um, you know and I completely wholeheartedly feel right now humanity is experiencing a psychedelic or plant medicine deficiency um there's there's a deficiency and we're lacking and that's why we're so in chaos um on a, on a global level and that's almost why i think ayahuasca is coming out of the jungle it's reaching all the corners of the world because we need to have ceremony back in our life we need to have that time to connect as a community some, some most people don't realize that although the journey is individual the experience is communal you know, when you share sure. an experience with people in ayahuasca ceremony, the next day you have a connection with them. Oh, yeah. You, you feel that connection. I'll see people that I've drank with years ago, and when I see them, I still feel that strong connection with them. Yeah. You know, because there's something magical that happens. And and the biggest disconnect we have because of the laws is that we can't talk about it. We can't openly share it. We have to go, most of us, out of the country to far remote places. And then we come back and we have to sort of suppress all of these experiences. Whereas in the native communities, they can share it on a monthly or regular basis, however often they do it, which is the way it should be done. Yeah, I, I agree in, in terms of the, the, that tremendous intimacy, and we're all, we're all missing that. And sure, in early times, there's a lot of fear. There still is a lot of fear, but we can speak about it. That's legal. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. to talk to some people. Uh, I've encountered people who um, have done more psychedelic things than I have who uh, they sort of recoil against the collective uh, experience of a, a circle of people experiencing ayahuasca together, and they think, well, well you, you know, if I were to do it, I'd just do it by myself with a campfire, and I don't need any of that. And you know, what, what I think they might be missing is the beauty of the ceremony, um, the, ef- the f- uh, effect of the medicine songs in moving the energy around and enhancing the experience and the healing, and then just the sense of uh, fellowship, being part of a community, sharing that sacrament. So I, if I were to do a, um, you know, next time I do an ayahuasca ceremony, it's not because I'm a fragile ego and I can't do it on my own kind of thing. It's like, I wouldn't, why would I not want that beautiful, supportive experience, you know? Well, you know that intimacy that's created in that that heart opening that happens um, can help us connect with people um, in ways that that we never did before. And I think that it's created a lot more opportunity for intimacy in my life with with other people, um, whether or not they've had ayahuasca. And I think that's where the magic is and where we have an opportunity to spread this stuff in other ways, not just 
you know, <laughs> trying to get people to do it. People are, are flocking, let's face it. We know this, right, to ayahuasca. I mean, there, there's even concerns about um, sustainability. So I don't think that there's, there's a problem with that. I think ayahuasca is making her way around the world <laughs> in, in an astonishing sort of speedy way. So that's happening. I heard also, um, I haven't checked this out, but I understand that the, it's a different format, but the Santo Daime Church in Montreal has just got won a legal battle and they now can legally um, import um, their version of the ayahuasca medicine. So that in Canada uh, will set a new precedent. It will take time for this to filter out and hopefully allow um, others to uh, to bring the medicine in because that's often the problem. But things are changing, and I think with the changing uh, cannabis regulations, that will be the thin edge of the wedge. Um, right now, everyone's thinking about it in terms of medical marijuana and also people being able to get stoned by sm smoking a spliff, right? <laughs> but but the, the, I see a much bigger thing uh, coming in, which is going to be the, the kind of the return of the goddess. This is, this is also a very powerful um, psychoactive plant. And uh, so it's like the different sisters and brother um, shamanic visionary plants, teacher plants are coming back into our society in a, a variety of ways. And the best thing we can do as we're doing in this show is educate and uh, dispel some of the myths that are attached to these um, uh, plants, which obviously have nothing to do with the other kinds of quote-unquote drugs that are addictive and harmful like heroin and cocaine and so on. So Giovanni, tell us um, about worldview changes. This is something that I, I thought we should cover because um, I, I think that many of us have, our whole world turns upside down in the way that we look at it when we come out of those experiences and I just wanted you to share on that if you're, if you're okay with that. Um, yeah, like I used to be of a like in a fear mode a lot of the time um, before I started becoming spiritual, all the conspiracy theories. Um, but through a lot of my uh, ayahuasca experiences, I realized that there's very little outside of myself that I'm in control of. You know, I can only control the way I react to the world. I can only control um, the way I walk on this earth. And because of that, you know, it changed my perspective on all the worldviews. Like, things are happening. I just see um, a reflection. I try to find the reflection. And, you know, I have to change that on my personal level. If it's bothering something in the world is bothering me, you know, what can I do on my, on, on my own level to change that? You know, I'm not going to change, stop wars in the Middle East, but I can, you know, stop, you know, conflict around me through, you know, being an example. So I started just changing my view like that, like not trying to think of, like, oh, my God, world's going to end it's like you know just have faith that there's a divine plan in motion this is something we're, we have to go through as as um, a collective a collective humanity and it's, it's i think it's part of our evolution you know like out of the chaos comes the joy uh, every ayahuasca experience i have out of those <laughs> hard difficult experiences right after comes the bliss so yeah. if, if that's a reflection of what's going on right now in the world I feel like we're at the apex of the chaos. You know, this war has been going on for a hundred years now, nonstop around the world, more or less, you know, um, maybe longer. And like, I think the dark ages for the last 2000 years, 5,000 years, whatever. Uh, but 2012 was sort of like 
what they say was the shift. Now we're moving back, back more into light. And, you know, although we're not really seeing so much on a world level, based on what we're shown in the media anyways, I just really feel that in my own community and things that I see that I know are real, I'm seeing the changes happen. I'm seeing people wake up. I'm seeing a lot of people that were so closed off before um, being more open to a lot of these things. And I'm very optimistic. So I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, but it certainly does. Thank you so yeah. much. It's true. Yeah. Um, I think that there are some wonderful things um, happening. And I went through something very similar, by the way, Giovanni. I, before I found plant medicines, um, I was in a very dark world of discovering the underbelly of um, world corruption and deep politics. And I am so glad that I moved beyond that. And I think that... Um, what I can say about, I, I agree with you entirely, you know, when you talked about the media um, and that, that that's what they're showing us. Um, it's it's important to really be careful about what you expose yourself to. If you compare it on, um, on an individual level, if we exposed ourselves to, to someone who's abusive all day long, told us nothing but dark things about, you know, us and, and, and our own environment, we would end up in a pretty bad place. And on a larger scale, you know, when we um, indulge in this kind of media that, that is constantly about that, this is going to affect the way that we look at the world and, and, and how we see it, and we're going to perpetuate this, right? Giovanni, we only have a short amount of time left. If people want to follow your work, participate in your, in your offerings, um, uh, can you uh, give us a sense of how to, how to do that? Very quickly, because we got to do station identification. Yeah, just yeah. Um, on Facebook, um, Giovanni Bartolomeo, um, thewaywithin.me is the website. You can connect with me on there. All my contact is in, so it's thewaywithin.me. Um, we have a community, the Way Within community on Facebook. It's about 800 people there now, and it's just people sharing stories of transformation, wh whichever modality it is. Excellent. Um, those would probably be the three easiest ways to contact me. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing. Um, keep it up and keep spreading the uh, the right information and uh, inspiration for, for others to follow. Thank Thanks you guys again. For okay, bye-bye. brother. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat or connect with me at RebeccaHayden.com.